As I mentioned, I'm in Dunedin this week for the Writers and Readers Festival. New Zealand, of course, is extremely lucky to be able to hold festivals at all. And this year's programme is Dunedin crime writer Dr Vanda Simon. Now, she wrote The Faceless, as well as a series featuring determined female detective Sam Shepard, and these include Overkill, The Ringmaster, Containment and Bound. Vanda's books have been published around the world, including the UK and the US, which is why she was a popular guest at overseas literary festivals. Well, that option went belly up over the last year, so for the Dunedin Festival, Vanda wrangled five other writers for the gala opening night event to debate the question, what does the future hold? We'll find out in a moment. Also with me in the studio, Heather McQuillan, poet, flash fiction writer, young adult novelist and teacher. She is this year's University of Otago College of Education Creative New Zealand Children's Writer in Residence Fellow, the longest title I've ever read in 20 years. Heather has several notable books to her name. She's also an international award-winning writer of flash fiction, ultra-short stories, and is the director of the Write On School for Young Writers in Christchurch. Crikey, that was a long introduction. Welcome, <laughs> both of you, <laughs> to the you studio. Um, Vanda, I mentioned before that writers' festivals, I mean, you've been to many here and overseas, and crime, I mean, specific crime-writing festivals are extremely popular overseas. Um, what's it like being at, at one of those? The crime-writing festivals are just amazing. Um, and, and just that thrill of being overseas and being invited as a, as a New Zealand author to be part of an overseas crime-writing festival, because it's not only an acknowledgement Mint as myself as a writer, but a huge acknowledgement to the, um, that New Zealand crime fiction is really accepted overseas and is being sought out by readers, and and that people are loving it, um, and that our New Zealand writing is matching it up there with all these other incredible crime writers from you know around the world. When you're at a festival, and you've also got you know, Val McDermott there and Ian Rankin and all these names, and you're trying not to fangirl too much, <laughs> but you're failing dismally. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they're an amazing experience. And being amongst so many people who love crime fiction, the readers who are there, um, meeting up with other writers and just wallowing in that whole atmosphere in a place, is, it's very cool. Is Dunedin a good environment? Oh, it's a silly question because you've written about Dunedin, but what makes Dunedin a good, a good place or Otago a good spot for crime writing? I think in general, for writing, Otago's a really creative place and Dunedin's a really creative place. Part of that is the lovely laid-back kind of vibe here. Now, it's not frenetic. Um, there's a fabulous supportive arts community that's really vibrant. And the, the physical environment here, I mean, for heaven's sakes, it's a stunning, beautiful place. You have this incredible harbour city and you've got the green belt wending through. And the architecture, you have these magical mix of you know sort of your gothic architecture and your modern stuff and some really boring stuff and it's all got a slight dare I say it manky edge to it <laughs> and um yeah it's just it gives lots of opportunity to um put into words the, the the physicality and how that affects your characters. Um, as a crime writer, you know, one of the things that I do wander around and need in doing is thinking, oh, there's a good alleyway to dump a body. And <laughs> when, when, you, when you're walking for a through a beautiful botanic garden, you're just imagining up ways you can sully it with a, a crime. So um, yeah, I find it a fantastic place to, to write for the, for the, for the actual books themselves, but also for my creative processes and feeling part of a community. 
Sam Shepard is returning, is she, to the to the streets? I mean, I think I think when you're able to find, I mean, the, the, I guess the hard work Banda goes into creating your your detective, you know, whatever their history is, mm-hmm. and 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 giving them not only kind of exciting scenarios, but but enough of a life, you know, mm-hmm. that you want to stick with them and you want to give them three, four, five, six novels, you know. Did Sam come to you quickly? She, when she arrived, um, it was a bit of a process deciding on who was going to be a lead character for my books. But when I decided that, yes, I was actually going to take my detective to be a young woman, she arrived pretty much fully formed with sass and attitude and elbowed her way into my life and has doggedly stayed there ever since. But um, as she were commenting on just before, it's really important for characters to grow and be interesting and actually have full lives. So one of the really important things for me with Sam Shepard was that she was relatable to everyone, that she um, did have a life. She has a complex family background and things going on, um, interesting relationships, and very interesting relationship with her mum, considering it's Mother's Day today. She has quite a, a twangy relationship with her mum, although you know they love each other dearly, they grate on each other. Uh, and also I wanted her to grow as a person over the series. So in the, in the first book, she, you know, she is a little bit um, naive and she's a little bit young and impressionable and with each book, you know, she's growing as a person, as I'd like to think that we all do with the experiences that we have. Yeah, that's the key thing, isn't it? You can't you can't set them in resin and, and have them not be affected by these pretty horrific situations yeah. that you crime writers keep throwing your lovely characters into. Because we're you know, mean to Or the trauma. <laughs> I think that's right. Um, the the um, Deadly in Dunedin, I see, you had a mystery in the library and Dunedin hosted the Celtic Noir. We had the Rotorua Noir, mm. impacted by COVID last year, sadly. Do you think there'll be more crime-related festivals here. Heaven knows. We've got enough of you. The Nio Marsh Award, the, the long list for that is a fraction of the number of crime writers we have now. Yes, um, there are so many crime writers. So, yes, I'm very optimistic that there will be more crime festivals coming up. Uh, Rotorua Noir, they would love to do that again. Yes, um, I hope they do. Yes, because it was a fabulous little festival um, and we had international writers come in for it and there, there are a lot of international writers who have said, we're very keen to come to, uh, if you do Rotorua Noir, again. So definitely I think that's going to happen. And also at, at the big festivals, a lot of them have crime writing panels now uh, at the uh, like Auckland festivals and things like that. Um, and of course in the Dunedin, of course, we are blessed with having the Dunedin Writers and Readers Festival, which has been running this weekend, and all the fabulous authors there. Uh, and um, Or Becky Manawatu, of course, being one of the uh, We'll claim her as a crime writer who has is, is, um, been very successful. Although that's interesting, though, actually, Vanda, because I think she was surprised that Owe was was seen as that genre. And it's just that it's a very broad church, crime, thriller. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very it's expanding, isn't it? Church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, lovely. Stay with me. I want to bring Heather McQuillan um, into the conversation. Um, Heather, you're, you're um, in Dunedin from Christchurch. As a writer, I mean, you applied for this, I think. Did, has it been important for you as a writer to to go somewhere else. Sometimes you can see things more clearly when you're dedicated, you're focused and in another place. I don't know, how's, how's, it, how's it affecting your yeah, writing? I think, I think that's, that's true, that uh, not only have you got the place, but you've got the space within your head because you have been transposed from your normal life into this other way of living. And for me, that's uh, been quite different because I'm on my own in a tiny cottage in the middle of the student flatting area, uh, not overlooking the beach like I usually do. Um, So it has opened a different sort of space in the mind, but it's uh, a wonderful, wonderful opportunity 
to dedicate yourself to writing. What are you working on? Can you tell us? I, I, I'm always nervous. <laughs> I, I pre-asked Vanda to make sure I could ask her this question because, you know, not infrequently yeah. the author will look at me sternly and say, I'm not, I can't possibly say. Yeah. Well, I did have to give a proposal when I applied for the residency, so I am working on that project, and it's a middle-grade novel, so my two protagonists are 11 and 12-year-old. Um, and they're young girls who are going through all those changes that I've certainly, when I was a, a teacher and a deputy principal, was very aware um, of, where they're moving beyond family and um, looking to where they actually fit in um, with their self and their social identity. Uh, and unfortunately, when that happens within that age group and uh, children gather together in those groups, uh, it means that some other children get excluded. And so they react in different ways. So I have one who's a real goody-good, um, and she withdraws into, a, into putting her face into a book, and the other one acts out and uh, is very creative in some of her um, acting out. And the teacher asks uh, the two of them to work together so that the good girl can be a good influence. But influence goes both ways. <laughs> I mean, I think this is so. Uh, I mean, you 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 teach I think seventeen to eighteen year olds. So you you so seven to eighteen. Seven, years. Beg your pardon, seven yes. to eighteen. Can't read my own writing. Seven to eighteen year olds. So so you're working with them. But I just think mm. when you're writing for this age group, you have to get it right, don't you? You have to get the language right. You have to get the behaviour right. It's it's it, you can't be the, the the tropes and the stereotypes. You know, you have to be a hundred percent accurate. So does your teaching? I'm assuming your teaching really helps you. It certainly does because I'm I'm now working at well I work with Write On School for Young Writers and so I'm teaching writing and working with all these young people, hundreds of them each year. And so you do get a real insight, but they're also a great resource material. Because they'll uh, tell you, won't you? If, if you're you. off, oh, yes, they'll tell you. Yes. And so one of the little challenges is is around technology. Um, and I didn't grow up with that technology and their world is very different um, because they have access to this technology as well. So that's an interesting one. And yes, I will consult very widely that I have the language right, because I use the term goody-good, but that might not be (laughs) (laughs) what they say, you know, a try-hard or something else. So I will do my research with them. But I think that's tricky too, because it changes so quickly, Heather, doesn't it? I mean, what's what's the the key word now, or the right word now? Yeah, Yeah. in in a split second, even the technology. I mean, I I sometimes listen to um, the kids' stories on RNZ, you know, they're talking about fax machines. I'm going, oh, that's going to be interesting (laughs) some kids. And I guess that's a trouble to keep pace, but You've, you're still telling a story, and I guess yes. ultimately, if you get the the story, the situation, the characters right, you, it will still hold together. Yeah, yeah, and I absolutely adore both of these characters and the way that um, they operate, and and it's hilarious and it's tragic. So uh, that's that's where I'll leave that. <laughs> when, when when you're teaching these seven to eighteen year olds, okay, I've got that right. Um, what are the stories that they're? What are the things that they're writing about? I mean, I, I was an angsty, ghastly yeah. writer, and if anyone uncovers anything I wrote at school, I'm going to be mortified, I must say. But what about this this generation? There's a lot going on. We know we're concerned about everything that they've had, and particularly in Christchurch. Let's be honest. Mm. When the earth, 
quakes, the, the mosque tragedy um, and the, the pandemic. It's been particularly tough mm-hmm. for this generation in the, in the last decade or well, so. Well, they've certainly had an awful lot going on in their so lives. So much. So yeah. much. And what writing does is it gives them agency to express um, those ideas that they have. And really writing, I think I see it as thinking. And it's thinking on the page. And the one key thing that I think is really important for young writers to understand is that you don't get it right the first time. And it's a wonderful opportunity to write your ideas and thoughts down, sit back, and then take a look and say, is that how I think? Is that what I want to say? And to be able to change it and to be able to rethink and rewrite and repurpose um, what they're doing. So I think thinking is a very important part of what we teach when we teach writing. So are you getting the whole uh, whole scope? I mean, I, I'm sure love will be in there because we know oh, it's that, it's that so kind of time. So I will but... say, I know you mentioned angsty, and that's definitely where some of our it's a harsh writers word. go. It's a harsh... But what we want to do is not stop them from doing that at all, but to help them to develop and create that so other people will actually be interested in reading what, what they're going through and what they're saying. But I would also say humour. And... With humour comes through so often and is so surprising and so wonderful when you when you read that. And for some of our younger students, that might be farting zombies and exploding brains. And we accept I'd read those that. things. <laughs> and we, uh, we don't shame those things out of them. We want, yay, and let's see if we can help you write that and make that as interesting uh, for other people to read. You really it love it, don't you? You really love it. Oh, you, yeah, you can tell. I love working with young people because they are surprising and because because they actually have so much to say. And I think one of the saddest things I've ever heard is when children say, I've got nothing to write about, because they have experiences, they have thoughts and ideas. And I think that's part of our role is to draw that out and to show them and provide little prompts that will get them to start writing. I've, I've left it, I think, about two minutes, but we're talking about flash fiction, so I know that we can do, we can do this. A real champion of, of flash fiction, a wonderful flash fiction writer. What appeals, I think when Ocean's uh, Meat you've got right there, what, what attracted you to the flash fiction, this ultra ultra short stories. Yeah, well I'm going to blame James Norcliffe here because I was actually doing a poetry workshop with him and I complained that all my poems turned into stories and he said have you heard about this thing called flash fiction um, so that's where my obsession began so James is responsible um, it's because you've only got this, you've got these restrictions in terms of your word count and you want to tell a big story uh, you have to condense that and you have to find ways to draw the reader into the other story that is in there, that you're thinking of, that you know is there. And that means a lot of obsessive redrafting and redeveloping uh, for me, and I love that. That's kind of the problem solving um, that goes in behind that. Um, also, I love the idea that there's poetry within that prose and so that you can really play with language. Um, well, I see a connection. There's a, a connection you would assume between short forms of poetry mm, and, and flash fiction. Right? And Every word those, counts. Yes, yeah? and where, where those boundaries, they just overlap each other, uh, and that's becoming more and more uh, experimental. People are doing lots of different things around flash fiction, and not just fiction, also um, flash memoir and, uh, and true stories as well. Writing. It's, it's a fabulous thing and the National Flash Fiction Day is coming up in June um, and we have the wonderful Michelle Alvey here in Dunedin who has established the Flash Frontier and there's a wonderful team that works behind that which is an international online journal where people who are not sure about the form can go and 
read some. Give it, give it a go, yeah. eh? Give it a go. Thank you both so much. Love to talk to you. Talking to Heather McQuillan and Dr. Vanda Simon.